Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz trumpeter Marcus Printup. We talked to him on May 4th, 2020, during the early stages of the COVID-19 lockdown, about his newest 2020 CD, Gentle Rain. He was born and raised in Conyers, Georgia, and his first musical experiences were hearing the fiery gospel music his parents sang in church. He's gone on to record with the best in the business like Betty Carter, Wycliffe Gordon, Eric Reed, and so many others. And he made his screen debut in the 1999 movie, Playing by Heart, and recorded on the film's soundtrack. August 22nd has been declared Marcus Pintup Day in his hometown of Conyers, Georgia. What an honor, man. He talked about all of this and so much more. Enjoy. Cool, man. Hey, uh, so where are you located exactly? Yeah, we're in uh, North New Jersey, in Hackensack, New Jersey. Is it getting any better? You guys, I, I, know, I know that especially New York's been rough. You guys getting any better up there? Yeah, you know the thing is, is we've we've not been out. I mean, the only the only times we go out is to get grocery and even getting groceries because our city and our region. Let's see, it's it's it's. I think it was like the most hit in all of New Jersey because it's right next door to New York City. I mean, I could you know just I can hop in the car and be at the Lincoln Tunnel in like you know fifteen or twenty minutes with no traffic. So it's really close. So um, a lot of New Yorkers actually uh, come here, you know, to, to our city and you know to Paramus and Hackensack and the surrounding areas just to get groceries and so um I think that's why <laughs> that's a big reason why it's also been spread here. So my wife and I drive an hour and a half away to a city that hasn't been hit as much, you know, just to get groceries. So we've done that. Let's see. Uh we've made three trips in the past just like seven weeks. So we only get out once a week. Well or 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 maybe once every two weeks to stock up on a bunch of groceries, but that is it. We're being really precautious, and we don't want to get sick. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you, man. Well, yeah, you yeah. know, obviously it goes without saying that we're living through a pretty surreal time, so thanks for taking a minute. I think talking about the music's probably a good idea. Of course, most definitely, man. Always, so, always. Yeah, without a doubt. So the one thing that I've been asking musicians that are releasing material during this time is it has to be very sweet. There's something about being able to put out your music and people might have more latitude to listen to it now but you can't back it up with live music so talk to me a little bit about that dichotomy yeah you know we've i've been my wife and i've been putting out a lot of educational content we have a um a non-profit called remarkable music and education it's rmfae.org and you know we um we've been putting out a lot of uh, videos for kids, just teaching kids how to play the blues, teaching kids, teaching kids how to sing the blues and how to write um, blues phrases and just, just just a lot of different things. Um, but nothing replaces being in the classroom where, where you know you can actually see them and they can see the instruments and, and like maybe touch the, the instruments. Just you know, but you know, but we're making do with what we have. But also, um, jazz at Lincoln Center, we've recorded I think three, three or four. Um, what, how do you call them? Like virtual, um, you know, where we're remote in our in our own homes, and then we all have our iPhones. And the there's a there's a rhythm track that we play to. Of course, you know, wearing our headphones, and then with with another camera, you know, they video. Well, my wife will videotape me playing the part, and we send all the parts to um, to the to the engineer at Lincoln Center, and then they put out this great music. I mean, that's fantastic, and you know, I think that. I think the thing about this is that everyone 
we all know that there's no replacement for live music, like whatsoever. But the thing I love about you know not just America but the world is that we find ways to get by, and we find ways to still prosper. For instance, there's a there's a brother of mine. He's over in Prague. His name is Emil Vishlisky. And I've gone over to play, you know, with him you know, maybe three or four times. And he actually, I met him when he was commissioned to to um, write a work for the for the jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra about I think ten or twelve years ago. But we stayed in touch and we're you know we're good friends. So he just called me. He said, "Hey man, let's play a a bad, no uh, let's play a blues." I was like, "Sure." So he sent me a track of him playing, and I played on top of what he played. And then you know he got a bass player, and so we just put it out online a few days ago and it's great you know we're you know we're still making music and this pandemic will not stop music from happening it, it may take a lot of things away i know a lot of people have lost loved ones i've lost um a few key friends as well you know and uh ellis marsalis and wallace rooney um they, they left us you know and i know that other people have, made, have lost as well so um something profound I, and I guess I'm kind of going going off the subject, but that's what I have a tendency to do. But 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 something profound about all of this is I was talking to Winton, and he was saying how he spoke to Ellis maybe like a few hours before, you know, um, before 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 uh, Ellis passed away, and Ellis is like, hey, you know what, you know, people are dying from this, and if I die, I'm just going to be amongst all these other people, you know, but you know, but you know, but the world is not going to stop, so you get you know, you've got to keep going. So uh, Ellis is such a strong man. He, you know, he looked death in the face and said, "You know, this is just a process of life. So if it's my time, it's my time. Well, it's your time, it's your time." And that just kind of explains the cycle and how we, how we cope and how we manage. And you know, and that's what. And I think that's where the music comes in because the, the, the music gives us comfort, the music gives us hope, the music gives us promise, and that's why we do the best that we can do. You know, I saw Wenton on 60 Minutes about two weeks ago, and they were on the stage, which is very weird that, you know, that it's yeah. just empty in there, and he's just not sure what's going to happen. But they asked him, they said, what would Ellis say to you? And he just looked at the guy right in the eye and said, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, exactly. what are you going to do? Exactly. That's, that's it. That's, 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 that's it. You know, and that, that, that wraps it up right there. So um, yeah. I did I did speak to Delfio about two or three days before that and was talking to him about World Party and um, just, you know, they, they just have a wonderful dynasty of music and it's going to continue yeah. to go. But So how did a kid from Conyers, Georgia, grow up to become an esteemed jazz musician as you are? I have no idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I kind of had a jazz band in high school, but it was more so like, more so a stage band and I did have this great um yeah I, I can call him my first mentor well after my mother and father and my grandfather and my sister but as far as jazz his name was david hudson and he was the middle school um music band director and he taught my sister before me and when my sister was in the jazz band she, she's four years older than i am um they had a concert and i saw him playing the tennis sax and i was like wow this guy is amazing like every time he played you know, the audience would go, woo, 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 because there's no jazz. I mean, he was the only jazz at all in in Congress, Georgia. So um, he was like a novelty, you know. So that was my first influence. But it didn't really hit me until um, 
you know, later on in life, like after I was in college for a few years. I mean, I I played in the jazz band, but I really didn't practice and didn't know what I was doing, you know. But um, you know, but that spark was lit by David Hudson. Is it well? His, his he he was actually a bishop, so Bishop David Hudson, and he passed away about I think in 2006, and I got the chance to play at his service, which is awesome. But you know, I didn't I didn't know anything about jazz at all. I mean, I you know just kind of kept it in my pocket and. Um, you know, you know, just those, just those sounds that I heard from him. But when I would go to church, I realized that. Well, I, I realize now that they were playing a form of jazz. I mean, if if we call jazz an improvisation, there's a lot of improvisation going on at at, at our church. I mean, you you can have the entire congregation singing "Amazing Grace," but everyone sounded different, and and everyone had you know just like just like different different inflections that they would put in the music just to make it, um, you know, just to make it personal. And that is a staple behind how I play jazz today is um, I'm actually, I'm actually preparing to do a lecture on Wednesday about gospel to blues to jazz. And that's how I play jazz. I, you know, you know, like I've been notes. So I mean, if I'm playing that on my trumpet, um, if I were to play those notes just like they're written without any inflection, they would be like this. But you know, that's that that bend up yeah. to the note that did that little waver. So that's how I. That's what defines me as a jazz musician and as a as musician and as a person and as a soul. So you know, then I, you know, started you know to to gain an interest in jazz and you know then and then you know just just started learning theory and applying the theory to you know you know the the soul that I got you know when I was you know growing up and that's that's that that basically is it in a nutshell. You know, just going to church and just just feeling that that, that soul that I felt. In the same way that blues music, blues musicians feel that's their soul as well, like Coleman Hawkins, the way he played blues, Ben Webster, Louis Armstrong, like the guy, you know, Billy Holiday. Um, so, and it just happened, and I'm still learning and trying to get better. So, right on. Well, I know Mo- Marcus Roberts was a big mentor, and that seemed like oh, a big yeah. growing period for you. Talk to me a little bit about his influence on you. Yeah, well, speak, well, Marcus was just, um, that's, that's a great segue. Marcus is the first person, first cat, first whoever, who um, who told me that I could use that gospel influence that I spoke to you about and and play jazz. So I met Marcus in my second year at the University of North Florida. I spent three years at Georgia State University, and you know I was kind of going through the motions and didn't really know what I wanted to do. But then I transferred to the University of North Florida, and it was a great program. It still is a great program. And for the first time, I was in a, in a jazz band or just surrounded by students who, 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 who were like-minded. So we pushed each other to practice. We, we pushed each other to get better. So, um, But they, they also had a great artist-in-residence series, and Marcus Roberts was one of the artists that came here. Um, you know, we had cats like Tamadini, Eliane Elias came there, um, Harry Connick came there, Michael Brecker came there. I mean, a lot of serious cats came there. Oh, the 
the uh, entire Basie band came there as well. But this particular time, Marcus Roberts was there, and he Marcus heard me playing in a small group setting, and he asked the teachers to bring him that trumpet player because he wanted to work with him. So I went to you know to, to his you know to his his room that they gave him at the college, and we we played a little bit, and he said to me, um, I can tell that you have talent, but you don't practice because your playing is chaotic and it lacks order. And I was like, whoa, my God. But those those were the most beautiful words that anyone has ever said to me because Marcus is the cat who said, okay, you got talent, but um, I'm not sure if I can curse on this, but he said, you know, you know uh, but you're bullshitting. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> you know, you're not taking this, you know, you're not, Taking this seriously, you know, so this is what you got to do. So I was like, "Wow, you're serious." I got my pencil, start taking notes. But Marcus uh, was asking me, you know, about my upbringing, and I told him I was from Georgia, you know, from the Baptist church. And he's the Marcus is the first person to teach me how to bend notes, like I was just doing to you earlier. He said, "How how how would your mother sing that that phrase?" And I said, "No, no, 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 no." She was thinking like this. And then I was like, hmm. and then I started playing that way because of Marcus Roberts, because I was afraid to, well, I didn't understand that playing jazz is more than just playing, playing notes and playing the right chords um, and, you know, and the right rhythms. It's putting your heart, putting your, your identity into the music, whether Charlie Parker did, whether Louis Armstrong did, whether Miles Davis, Chet Baker, whomever. So, Marcus was Marcus was the cat that taught me how to do that, and that's why I consider him my greatest influence. You know, you've had a lot of other really great legends and luminaries that have been around you, and my question is, during this absence of live music, during a pretty difficult time, that puts it mildly for the jazz community because live music isn't happening, what memories are you drawing on that are making you strong, that are making you feel good about your life and music, and you're you're asking all the right questions. <laughs> uh, this last night, I mean, this last night, I um, um, let's see, I was trying to well, I was preparing for this class I'm teaching on Wednesday about gospel, the blues, jazz, and I remember that there was this cassette of my grandfather singing, and of course, you know, I'm like, it's it's kind of like finding a needle in a haystack. My my wife and I just moved to this house here in Jersey a few years ago. And we still have, like, tons of boxes. So um, I decided to just go through some boxes. And the first box I went through, I found the tape. But along with that cassette tape, I found, like, another 200 cassette tapes of me practicing, you know, back in, in, in college and, and, you know, gigs I did, you know, in, in when I was in college in Florida, early gigs, you know, with um, Lincoln Center, early gigs with my um, – I, I mean, I haven't gone through all the tapes yet, but I also found a – a Sony mini disc player that is now is now obsolete, and I put some, and I put the first one in, and the first one in is a is um, let's see, I have this Yamaha keyboard, and it has a memory bank, and I used to record tunes and leave them on there, but it 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 only has the capacity to record four songs at a time, so I would you know just just keep recording them. Um, you know, and well, I, I, I would save them in the bank, but if I needed to use that space to record another tune, I recorded what was on the bank to an XM device, and I forgot that I put all those songs, so I was reintroduced to about 20 
songs I wrote, like, dating back to, like, 1998 or 1999. And I was up all night long until, like, maybe 6 o'clock in the morning listening to them. So I'm like, wow, this is me. This is, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 53 years old now, and that was, like, what, 30-something years ago. And, you know, you know, just hearing that history and knowing that it's still me, um, that really sparked me. And I'm so psyched to just go through all these tapes. It's going to take me maybe a few weeks. First and foremost, I have to find a cassette player because I don't have one of those anymore. <laughs> but um, you know, just, <laughs> un- yeah, you, you know, just 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 understanding that even if I'm, I don't know, just just getting to that stage of my life to where I'm as hungry as I've ever been musically, and hearing you know things from from my early development, um, from those um, developed mental stages, and I realize, wow, I'm still hungry and I still want to do this, and that's me. It, 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 it's Maybe a few times through the night, I I got kind of teary because it's like, wow, this is emotional. <laughs> this is it's very yeah. special. So that's going to help me just to you know just to keep going. And maybe another thirty years from now, if I'm around, you know, I'll listen to you know those tapes again and all the tapes I've made you know in between now and then, and you know just know that I'm creating my own little legacy, and I'm very grateful to be able to you know just to play music and just to, just to create music and. Hopefully make people feel good. You know, we're going to eventually get out of this and we're going to get into a live environment. So what realizations do you hope both musician and audience gets from this time away? Well, you know, I hope that people understand the value of live music, um, myself included. I, you know, I, I perform all the time. I'm touring all the time. I don't go out and listen to music like I used to when I was younger. Um, I'm dying to hear someone play now, man. You know, I'm... Um, so hopefully this will, I mean, I know that a lot of musicians are struggling now, too. I mean, um, you know, we're okay, you know, because I got, you know, the job at Lincoln Center, but there's a lot of freelance musicians who are really having a hard time. And, um, you know, I hope that the economy can get better. I hope that, you know, the world can get better and just allow the beauty of music to heal us and also, you know, and also support, you know, the musicians who are playing it. Um, but that's, that's the thing I take from it is just um, I take for granted the fact that, you know, playing music makes people happy. And this is something that I always tell students. And I realize it because I'm doing it all the time. But my motto to students or, or my my saying to students is just know that as a musician, you have the power to heal and to touch people. And uh, in turn, it heals and touches you. You know, I realize that I miss healing people. And I and I miss being healed by what I'm giving out to people, and you know when they give back to me, you know, you know whether it's you know just someone listening to my music or me hearing some, or me hearing someone else play, you know. So, um, you know it's, you know I mean music is something that I think people take for granted, um, but they shouldn't because that's what that's what the world needs. I agree, man. Why do you love jazz? Um, what do I love jazz? I love music in general, not just jazz, but back. I love, but but why, but why do I love jazz? It's it's just something, just the the art of creation, you know. And it's it's a science, um, and something that I realize at times when, you know, when I'm practicing, I can just take a chord change and just just create something over it, and know and, and know exactly what I'm doing. And that's my skill, you know. That's what God gave me, and everyone doesn't have that. People can hear that. You know, but but everyone doesn't have it, and I realized, you know, that you know, 
that it's a skill, it's a gift, and um, it's something that is just in my heart just to create. And like I said, even even before I knew how to play jazz, I was I was still I was still improvising. I was in church, you know, just like you know, making up harmonies and hearing all the deacons and the deaconesses and the preachers and the choir members just making <clears throat> just making their own harmonies, but not talking about it from 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 a theoretical standpoint. Like this is the dominant seven, this is the third, this is the fifth. We didn't talk about that. We just sang and we just created, and that's what's catapulted my, you know, my you know my playing ability as far as you know. Being a jazz musician, I love jazz because I can create. Because it makes me feel good, and again, like I said before, it makes people feel good, and, um, and that makes me feel good again. You know. So everyone has a perception of you, your family, your friends, your fan base, but you're the one living your life. Who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, a work in progress. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it really is. I'm a work in progress. I'm... Um, you know, that's something that, that's a deep question. I, I could go on and on about that, but to give you a short answer, I am evolving each and every day. And, you know, tomorrow is not promised. So if if my life were to end, you know, well, I don't want to jinx it. If, um, <laughs> okay, well, if it does, it does. If, 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 my, if, if my life were to end today, then I could maybe kind of, you know, kind of establish, you know, some kind of legacy or some kind of story of who I am, but I know that there's more to come. And so I can speak of what I am now. I am, I'm blessed, you know, and um, life can be difficult sometimes, you know, but again, I'm I'm grateful that I have music and I'm grateful that I have, you know, the God that I serve as well. That's very important for me um, is, is, is to know that and to cling to that because if I cling to that, you know, that's all that I need, you know. So I'm a man who believes in his faith, um, who loves music, who loves people, who loves to learn, who um, is very shy sometimes, and who is very outgoing sometimes, who is um, who loves to write music, who loves to create music, who loves to hear other people play, who loves to make people feel good, who um, is very vulnerable at times, um, insecure sometimes, but, but very confident at times as well. So that's me in a nutshell. Cool, man. Marcus, hey, thanks for your time. I've always been a big fan. Thank you for the music. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in Georgia, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Marcus for his time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time, Go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.